Welcome to Finance Tea. I'm your host and founder, Paris K. This podcast will be serving you financial tea with the works. Today's topic is building generational wealth through real estate under 30. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite young power couples in the real estate game at Charm City Buyers. So let's get into this. Is it possible that you guys can give us a brief intro? Sure. My name is Khalil. I'm Kiara, and we're Charm City Buyers, and we are really excited about investing in Baltimore every day, although we do have some out-of-state rentals as well. Um, But we have a portfolio of rentals here, and also um, really excited about our block project where we're renovating um, a bunch of properties on one uh, real estate block here in Baltimore. But really, the whole point of Charm City Buyers and um, and our kind of Instagram social media presence is being able to inspire, engage, and inform folks on how they can get started and get and become successful in investing in real estate. Yes, and that's what I love mostly about you guys is that I've been following you guys, and first of all, it's inspirational that you guys are under 30 and you have so many rental properties and I have none um, <laughs> so I caught you guys a podcast on Top Millionaire um, his podcast which kind of leads to some of my questions today so most of the people that I've run into in the real estate industry they are either married or they have like a co-partnership which kind of like paints a picture that in order to really win in the real estate industry you must be married or have a co-partnership so I just wanted to ask you guys, like, how do you coach one, uh, like a person who's single on how to win in real, like real estate? So I think that there's, there's definitely a lot of benefits to the working as a team and having a team, whether that's your spouse or just someone that you partner with um, in real estate. But I definitely, I don't think that that is um, a requirement. You know, and so as we work with folks who are single, um, a lot of times it's more so just having, being really organized um, and, you know, being able to, to focus on, on what tasks you have done. I think what's, what's great and the advantage that folks have that do have partners or spouses is that you're able to kind of balance some of the, the things that need to be done between more than one person. And so that's going to require when, when it's just one to make sure that you have that much, you know, stronger of a team and a process um, and organization, which everyone needs anyway. Um, but when you're single, you just might need, you know, that much more. You might, you know, have a property manager when you start out and things like that. So there's, you just build out your team. And that's what, um, you know, we are, like we're a team. And so even as you're single, you might just have, you know, your team just has to be that much um you know, that much stronger to help surround you because um, really it doesn't matter if you're investing as a, as a partnership or on your own. It's all about who you surround yourself with. Yeah, the benefits of having teammates is that an individual can't go 100%, 24-7, 365 for years and years and years. Um, when you have people around you who are competent, who you trust, who you can uh, enjoy speaking with and, um, and building with, it makes it that much more fun and that much easier to, to continue the development and the real estate investment journey. Real estate is a long-term game. Um, it doesn't matter what type of um, real estate work you, you you do. It's a long-term play, and um, making sure that you have long-term people 
at least um, you know on your team is is vital to your success. Right. I, yeah. Like it doesn't even, it doesn't matter how you place it. All of us are working on teams. So whether you have a spouse or a partner or not, you're still going to build a team around you to be successful. Um, and so you know, for those who are quote unquote single or out here, you know you got to think real estate on their own they just really have to focus on building that team so that's what we advise them to do it's it's a very fundamental piece of of the advice that we give them make sure you build out your team strategically intelligently and think about that long term play yeah because I find it hard like right now I'm trying to do the whole real estate thing but I did notice actually like getting into like communities or like going to meet up events where other other people are in like the real estate industry or like trying to get into real estate that really like helps me as well because some of those people are single as well so they need partners so they need somebody to work with as well so I think that's essential when trying to get into real estate is like getting out there networking and just getting around people who are like-minded like yourselves and other people in that industry that may just be starting out and have the same type of questions that you have which kind of like brings me to my next question I'm 31 with no real estate or a business like so which puts me to shame but it makes me think like what am I not really doing so I just want to know like what traits do you guys think that one needs to have to survive as an entrepreneur in the real estate industry I think first like, let's start at the very beginning. Being 31, that doesn't mean that you missed something or whatever. I mean, like, you still have plenty of time to, to start working through your, you know, getting your properties and things of that nature. But I think, um, I think a lot of, at least my biggest thing, and I know Chloe will share his as well, my biggest thing is how you're able to overcome and navigate fear. Because I think the biggest barrier to entry, people will kind of talk about all the things that keep them from getting started when it comes to money or, you know, having a team or know-how or all these things. They'll try to, like, list all these things out. But at the end of the day, a lot of times the biggest thing that's keeping them from doing anything is being being scared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being scared of, you know, whether it's losing money or, you know, just not having enough confidence in what you're able to accomplish or what have you. Um, personally, I think fear is probably the biggest thing, which is why I probably talk about fear almost more. You see more about, like, mindset and how you think about things and how you solve problems. Um, when you, like, follow us on Instagram or whatever, more so than you'll even see pictures of our big, huge rehab. Because I think that showing, like, our huge construction project without talking about how you think about solving problems would be, like, a disservice to everyone who follows us because they're going to go and, and idolize over these construction projects and not understand the fundamentals that got us to that point. Right. Life is short. And, um, it, like, life is short. And it's, it's, it's delicate. It's fragile. It's one of those things where, like, if, if you wake up and you're 50, 60, 70, 80, and you say, Dad, what if I had, um, you know, that might be more painful for a lot of people than jumping and getting started um, failing. and failing. Yeah. And it's it's okay to fail. Fail forward. There's all kind of articles and things written about it. But, um, yeah, just, just, just jump. That's the advice. 
any of yeah, it. Yeah, you can't be afraid to fail. I believe I have a lot of <laughs> doubt when it comes to things. And a lot of times when you talk to people or you tell them like what your vision is, I mean, cause a lot of people can't see what your vision is. So they'll talk you out of what it is that you want to do. Cause those are questions that maybe you haven't asked yourself. So I believe that fear is something that <laughs> a lot of us have. And I guess we don't really like confront ourselves about having that type of fear. And so we allow others to, take their self-doubts that they have and then push those on to us and then we don't want to move forward with doing the things that we envision to do and for instance like I have a friend who's like oh my god the market's about to crash and all these people are buying properties they're going to be <laughs> losing their money eventually so it makes me doubt like purchasing a property but then I think about all the different ways that you could like make money off of a property like you can sell the property you can do an airbnb like there's so many different ways that you can like make income off a real estate property so even if we were to have a market crash or something of that nature there's still ways to generate income and as as you guys like work together is there anything that you guys love most about working with each other absolutely um there's a lot that that I love working, um, that I love about working with my wife. Um, I love her energy, her spirit. I love her tenacity and grit. Um, I love her um, realist plant. Um, you know, there's there's tons of benefits to working with here. One thing I want to bring up, you brought up a few very good points. Um, in the very beginning of our journey, we didn't share with very many people at all that, that we had started. We didn't share with any friends, family, um, we really kept it between ourselves. Um, and the reason was because we, we didn't want to hear any type of negative energy. It's already a heavy, heavy, heavy lift to, to get started in a brand new industry, brand new state, um, something that you've never done before at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to complicate it with any naysayers or negative vibes. Um, so we kept it to ourselves. And even today, we don't share very much about everything that's, that's going on. Um, largely, and I think Kira and I have learned how to um, how to leverage both of our realist clients to ask questions, to, to dig deeper, to find out things that maybe our excitement didn't didn't answer the question fully, and, and develop our future vision completely. Um, but instead of getting kind of feeling bad about oh man, this isn't going to work, um, whatever that that next step is. Um, we, we use that to go back to the drawing board to answer the questions and make it as bulletproof as possible so that we can continue moving forward. No, that's, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, I think um, we definitely balance each other um, and that's probably the, the answer to both of your questions. <laughs> Balancing each other, I think, is, is something that's really helpful for me working with Khalil and, like, we have, we're, like, um, we're kind of, we're like freaking frack, right? We're definitely uh, really uh, kind of always together and like on the same team, but at the same time, we're polar opposites. And so we're able to balance each other in so many different ways where things that I am not strong at and, and struggle with, um, Phil is actually really strong at. And so we're able to really um, balance each other. And it's just kind of like fun. Like we're able to talk about work um, throughout the day and, and um, just kind of give us something 
as a as a couple to continuously be working towards together and having these shared unaligned goals um, is really is really great for your marriage. It's also you know it's a challenge in your marriage to work with, with your spouse and have a business with your spouse, but um, it also gives you something to, to work towards. But um, I think that too is how and why we're able to um, not you know keep things to ourselves um, really early on to keep out all of that negative energy and um, you know not have a bunch of people sharing their two and three cents every time that they thought that they needed to tell us what we should or could be doing um, when in all honesty a lot of times you also have to kind of check who you're having conversations with mm-hmm. like if you're talking about where you want to go make sure you're talking to someone who's been there versus someone who hasn't. If someone hasn't been there, then they're not going to be able to fully, and, you know, some people are better than others, but they're not going to be able to fully understand what, where you are, where you're trying to go, and how to get there. And that causes fear and anxiety. And so they're going to say, girl, what are you talking about? Right? But if you're talking to someone who's been there, they're going to be able to help you navigate some of those feelings and emotions and challenges that you're having to help pull you through your goal and that's why a lot of times people will you know get the mentors and the coaches and take the classes or something like that because we've been there um and we can help you really see um you know the the light at the end of the tunnel because sometimes at the very beginning that is dark but we've been there um and so you can you know you get someone that can help pull you through and that's a really good point and it's it's to no fault of, of their own that you don't know what you don't know and that goes with basic knowledge right you don't know math if you don't know it um but it also goes with kind of future vision and planning and and um your life's potential um if if somebody hasn't been there and they just don't know what it takes and, and what it looks like to get there there's an automatic shutdown fear response um so it's no fault of, of their own they're they're great friends they're great family they have they're placed in your life. Yeah, their intentions are very good. Um, they just want to look out for you, protect you. But if um, if you've got to kind of isolate them from one part of your life and not expose them to this part of your life, then you got to make sure that, that you're able to do it. Yeah, because I'm like, at this point, I'm in the process of like having my mom join as my team because my mom, she's in the process of doing, like going through retirement, but she's also looking for ways to like generate additional income so I'm like oh as I talk to my mom more and more every day I'm like oh girl you really do know about this real estate stuff so like I'm like oh okay like there's our balance between each other and I never really looked at it like going into business with my mom because we are like oil and water sometimes we just don't mix but um (laughs) but the more I got to like explain to her things that I'm doing um she's more interested and she's like okay you're serious like I have the comps the rentals I'm like okay well I know this person they can help us to do this things like that so she's a little bit more open I guess sometimes when you go to people and you don't know you don't paint the the picture properly they're not as willing to want to help you and I think that was a problem with me and my mother initially because I always knew like she has the bag and (laughs) I am the one that can I can bring the additional income but you know she's the one with fully the bag and I have the time to do that you know being someone that works from home and things like that so 
we kind of can leverage each other out. It's going to be a little hard, you know, because she's moving to uh, Savannah, Georgia, and I'm going to be here um, in Fort Washington. So we'll find a balance eventually, but she does plan to come back every six months to visit and things like that. So hopefully our partnership works out and we're able to balance each other out like you guys balance each other. And so that leads me to think like when you have a business, would you say that for a real estate business, do you think that you have to have your business run through an LLC or not? Because I know a lot of times I'm listening to these podcasts and they tell you to do uh, LLCs to basically protect your personal investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, so we do. We have LLCs and, and all of that. It's, it's um, not only going to help protect some of your, it's like a corporate shield between um, separating your business from your personal. I think the challenge a lot of times is making sure that people are... Um, doing all the things that they need to do to make sure that 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 you don't do what's called piercing the corporate shield which means you have an LLC but you're you're using everything as like your personal piggy bank and um you know you're not separating your business from a personal from a business management perspective and therefore having an LLC is completely pointless right so um so not just it's not just creating the LLC, it's, it's managing it, having, you know, having your operating agreement and having, you know, a separate banking account for, um, for the property or properties versus your own. Like, there's kind of all of these different things that you um, need to and should do. It's not just, um, I think if people talk a lot about creating an LLC, and they're like, oh, I'll just go online and create one. And here I am, I have a business, I'm a business owner. It's like, mm, you kind of just own an LLC and now you owe taxes. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and now you have to, to maintain that LLC. There's, there's other things that you have to do to actually make it worthwhile. Um, but to answer, answer your question specifically, yeah, we have LLC um, and we have like different structures for our rentals versus the flips and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, they, we do have... Um, we do have LLCs for real estate. And how do you guys like determine what type of funding that you're going to use for your like properties? It depends on the deal, really, largely. And it's um, you know, there are different funding structures for different types of deals. Um, if, if the strategy is hold, if the strategy is flip, um, if it's uh, kind of a wholesale structure, and there's all types of tools. Um, that we coach our clients on on uh, which tools to deploy in which um, scenario for, for the best result. Yeah, so we've, we've done like a little bit of everything and mm-hmm. so we've learned how to leverage different um, methods of creative financing to, to get the deal done, right? So whether it's, you know, private lending or um, we've used our money, we've done nonprofit, we've done seller financing, um, we've done all these different types of types of structures for putting deals together and so it's a matter of you know understanding what the like what type like what's the approach and what are we trying to accomplish and which funding source makes the most sense um and so we kind of just like deploy whatever tool is is necessary or fits the best to make sure that we are hitting our goals um, whether it's from a cash flow perspective or, you 
know, being able to pay it down or if we want it free and clear in a certain time period or if it's just a matter of understanding, you know, how quickly we plan to be in and out on the deal, all types of stuff. So um, it really just kind of depends. So there's two financing ways or terms that I've heard since... I started looking into real estate and one is hard money and then the other one is like seller financing. Can you tell me the mm-hmm. difference between the two of those? Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So hard money is um, typically uh, an individual or a group that has capital or access to capital uh, and they will give it to you for your real estate purchase and construction. Um, typically hard money uh, is a little more expensive. Um, typically, hard money comes with the expertise of somebody who has done it before or has a network of people who have done it before. Or should. It should come with that um, because there's a there's a premium on, on that, that, uh, that cash. Okay. Yeah. It's usually a business. It's a business that lends up money. They make their money through lending. So they're going to make all their money from points. And points are it's basically the fee that they're going to charge you to do the loan. And so their job is to constantly lend money out and kind of recycle funds as many times as possible so they make the most money as possible. So um, it's definitely your more more expensive, quote-unquote, funding source, but it's usually kind of the lowest barrier to entry as well. As soon as you have a good deal, you can probably find a hard money lender to give it to you if you're willing to pay their price. Um, Dollar financing... Um, is when you're able to negotiate with a seller and the seller basically becomes your bank. So instead of getting a lending source um, from, you know, a bank or a hard money lender or any other different way, um, you're able to pay the seller over time. So um, if you buy a house for $100,000, instead of getting a loan for $100,000, you can maybe negotiate with the seller to say, I'll pay you $1,000 a month for 100 months. Okay. And so they essentially become the bank and you pay them over time versus another lender. Okay, cool. So when you guys did your buy the block project, what type of financing did you guys use for buying the block? We did it all. <laughs> <laughs> We put a little bit of everything. So obviously, if you're doing uh, quite a few properties at once, mm-hmm. um, the amount of, of money that we are leveraging and using and spending and the, the amount of zeros on some of the checks I'm right are painful. But, um, but so to do that, you know, we used a, a bunch of different kind of created what's called like a capital stack where you're using uh, funding sources from different places to be able to... Um, to, you know, not only purchase, but then renovate all the homes. Um, so we, we were able to pull together different money from different sources. Um, and then we always put money into all of our deals ourselves. So there's some of our money in it as well. So when you guys decided to purchase the block, how did you guys analyze where to buy the block at? Like, what does an analysis like look like? before you guys decide to purchase anything or any type of property? Sure. So um, whenever we purchase a property, the analysis is the same 
and it's um, very diligent. We go through spreadsheets. We we look at the area. We look at comps. We look at kind of what's happening in the market on a macro, on a micro level. Um, there's a lot of background work that's done whenever we purchase any property uh, because it is a huge undertaking, and we want to make sure that we execute it right the first time. Um, so it doesn't. I mean, it really doesn't matter if it's one property, if it's ten properties, if it's a hundred property, multi complex. Um, the analysis mostly stays the same. Yeah, we have the same spreadsheet that we use for our one-off that we did for the whole thing. But some of like, the individual, like, specifics that we look at, um, as, you know, obviously what, what is going on in the area and the neighborhood. We spent some time when we did the blog, the thing that was a little different was that we actually spent some time at, like, the community association meetings and stuff like that, um, because it is, a larger project we do more from a community development perspective mm-hmm. than we have on like one-off houses um but it was a lot about the, the area the neighborhood what was going on around um around the block um it's kind of like one of the only every all the houses all the blocks on either side of this one have all been renovated mm-hmm. um so kind of the last one left really because the uh, previous owners were kind of sitting on them. Um, and so they were, one, waiting to try to, you know, cash out and just sitting on vacants, which people invest in vacants in Baltimore. They buy them, they let them sit, they wait until someone else comes into the neighborhood to start renovating them so their property values increase. Mm-hmm. And then they'll either sell the vacant or, um, or you know, finally decide to renovate it themselves. Um, you know, it's a challenge because I think, you know, some of the programs here in Baltimore are great, but you have things like big into value and one house at a time where you can buy houses that are really cheap, um, but not necessarily um, all of the buyers are educated or willing or able to, to do the work. They might not know how to do, you know, $150,000 renovation when they buy this $2,000 house. Um, and so there's there's a lot of kind of investing in vacants and, and waiting for gentrification to really come into each and every neighborhood, which is already kind of sprinkled all over the city. Um, but anyway, so we looked at the neighborhood, um, looked at, you know, what was coming in that whole um, area and, um, you know, got an understanding of what the renovations were and what we'd able to be able to sell it for. And when you're doing a project of this, um, nature trying to you know balance making sure that um, we're able to tell the story well so people were were excited um, and continue to be excited about what we're trying to accomplish over there um, so there's like the number side of things that we do every single time and then there's kind of this more um, qualitative side that we've been doing as we're transitioning into more um, community development rather than just being like quote unquote bookers and when you guys like land the deal, do you guys set like a time period as to when you believe that renovations will be done? Because like every time I'm watching HGTV, the standard time that oh, they Lord. give <laughs> the standard time that they give oh. for most renovations are seven weeks for renovations. They're like, okay, we'll be done our renovations in seven weeks. That's like the standard time. So. <laughs> no, AC, you watch HGTV, you do the whole thing in 30 minutes or 
And my mom's like, how do you figure this out? How did you figure this number out? I'm like, I don't know. I just looked at the property and I saw that they need to replace that carpet and the wall looked like it needs to be replaced. And yeah, that's how I figured out my number. And she's like, okay, I know there has to be a better way to come up with the price of how much a renovation is going to cost. Like my mom, she's the type of person who wants to go and like get a quote from an actual contractor instead of us like trying to determine it before like actually putting some type of offer in on the property she's like no i want to know all the particulars beforehand before we go into this because what if we get something and then it's a it's a lemon i'm like okay mom you just have to get in there just try Mama's not all mama's not all wrong, right? When you start off, there's nothing wrong with getting a contractor to walk through and give you an estimate. Actually I would I would recommend it when you're first starting out because you're not going to have the expertise to be able to um to estimate things um, you know, as accurately as someone who's been doing this for a while. Like for us, we might not necessarily do that for every property now. Because we've done it quite a few times. But for someone starting out uh, I would definitely we usually tell people to have three different folks walk through and then you have three different estimates that you're able to um, kind of see who that you know, who looked at and found different things and you know, you have kind of negotiation tools um, between the three of them. Um, but yeah, I I would I might be on mama's team for this one. Um, because if you're looking off of a Zillow pictures, I I might question your, your um, estimate as well. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to um, get a contractor and don't, you know, when you're starting out, contractors may ask you to pay for their estimate. There's some that don't, but there's some that do. And the ones that do are doing so because they value their time. Right. Um, but, um, you know, if, if you're, you're like that part of that $150, 200 whatever it is that they charge to view estimates, that is you... Um, that's one of your expenses, build it into your overall um, expense for the property. Um, but sometimes that that $150 can save you tens of thousands if you're going in estimating stuff wrong. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. I might have to go with mom on that one. <laughs> Look, in this moment, I'm like, oh, Lord, when she hears this, she's going to be like, yes, I was right. I was right. I <laughs> <laughs> But what I do like is that you guys offer a program as well that other people can kind of like learn basically all the steps that you guys have utilized throughout your journey to basically purchase real estate, which is considered next gen, right? Is that the group? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and what's the vision I, for next gen? No, I'm so excited about next gen. <laughs> what's their vision and what are they doing and how are they going to buy Baltimore up? <laughs> yes. So, um, the next gen is our um, ten week intensive because it currently is kind of intense um, on investing in Baltimore specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of times, you know, a lot of our, our workshops and, and classes, because the foundation of, of real estate is pretty similar no matter where you go, right? Um, how you look at deals and, and um, navigate the whole process is generally the same anywhere you are, but there's um, very location-specific things around um, whether it's code and construction or um, different avenues or where you find and how you find deals or just very um, location-specific information 
um, that folks will really want and need to know if they're going to be successful in not only um, buying and renovating, but buying and renting homes, so like your eviction process, all those types of things that are um, locally uh, managed and the process is locally created. So um, so NextGen is all about investing in Baltimore. Um, We actually are in our last week um, with our first cohort which has been amazing. Um, the goal going into next gen is that everyone purchased the property within six months of doing the program. Um, so right now, half of, of the folks in next gen, uh, so we're at 50% of folks who are either under contract or have bought in the last uh, 10, 10 weeks. Um, so it's gone really, really well. Um, they get, you know, resources and we do um, webinars every week and we're talking different topics and they're getting, you know, spreadsheets and guides and process docs and, um, you know, really getting the real behind how we do what we do here every day Mm -hmm. um, and then get access to, like, different deals and and put them into a position to to buy and I think with really fun about about next gen and and also really um you know um exciting for me is getting to know each person individually like what is your individual goal although it's a youth program um i try to individualize as much as i can where i get to understand what each person is trying to accomplish what their fears are and hold them accountable um, to be able to, to reach those goals and provide them the resources and the um, and the tools that they need to be successful and, and hit the hit their goals. So I'm super excited because they're our first group of next gen is killing it, um, and I'm so excited to you know celebrate with them. We're doing a, a final um, like a celebration event where we can share everyone's success and and all of that. But um, but yeah, so it's it's really, it's been a fantastic kickoff, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait to do it again, um, and we'll probably continue to do, to do it every, you know, probably twice, maybe twice a year, um, I'm not sure, but, but no, it's, it's been really, really amazing. Next Gen, I'm like... <sighs> I decided I I think I seen an email one time about next gen and what you guys were doing and things like that and that was like in the process of me deciding if I really wanted to do real estate or if I didn't want to do real estate or if I wanted to focus more on my business and things like that so initially when I first saw it I was like oh this is amazing like this is amazing for like young people this is amazing for anybody that's just thinking about it because I feel like a lot of times when we think about real estate people don't talk about the gray the gray spaces of real estate a lot of people paint the black and white image so it makes it difficult for people who have no knowledge of real estate going into it to get very frustrated like at the beginning like you're going to (laughs) be frustrated because you don't know anything and then once you realize like the amount of work that you have to do even like the mortgage process is a lot you know because they're requesting so much of you I could see how someone can get very overwhelmed with that process and then going in blindly and not knowing anything would really affect somebody moving forward to want to purchase more real estate so having the education behind that really really like puts them ahead of the game and they're not 
going to be overwhelmed and then they have somebody to like kind of like hold their hand <laughs> through the process and make sure that they're doing everything that they need to do in order to move forward so that's what I really like about next gen and the vision for next gen because it doesn't keep them in the closet and it doesn't make them feel overwhelmed when thinking about real estate. It's just like in finance, budgeting makes people, you know, overwhelmed. So just thinking about the process can make them overwhelmed as well. And then it could just make them not want to do it altogether. And then they're losing out on a, a great opportunity to make generational wealth. Absolutely. No, we, we definitely focus on being able to share information that is executable, like things that people can actually execute on versus just informing them. Mm -hmm. It's more so like, here are all the tools, now go do it. Um, And so I think that has been, I've just been really excited about the fact that, you know, this first group has taken the tools and the information and and applied it and followed the steps and followed the process. Um, And then, you know, made their offers and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm super excited about it. Um and can't wait for the, the next And now that you guys have been in the game for so long, is there anything that you wish you would have told yourself earlier on <laughs> about the process, like as far as like starting earlier or things like that? Like what has really like kept you guys afloat? like throughout the whole real estate process? Those are really good questions. Um, If I could have told my younger self something earlier, um, it would probably be to spend twice as much time doing the back end, do due diligence work needed to make sure that uh, everything goes as perfectly as possible. Um, I can't stress that enough. That that back-end work is so important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think for me, um, I would have... So we grew, we grew a lot in fact um, over the years. I think I probably would have um, taken a few extra chances to, like, enjoy it a little bit. Like, we always say that we hunted our 20s. Like, mm-hmm. um, we spent a lot of our 20s hustling and working and you know 16 hour days like like really hustling for real because we were we were working full time when we started um so I probably would have actually taken maybe I probably would have like exhaled a few times extra um starting out um I think you know it'll be great you know coming up here I think we're gonna exhale quite often but um but but yeah I think I would have made sure that I was taking a second to take inventory and and appreciating what we were accomplishing at the time or just kind of, you know, taking a second to take this 30,000 foot view of what was happening. Um, And I still kind of need to hold myself accountable to do that and understand, like, it is kind of super cool that we bought a block, you know? Like, we say it, but I don't think we think about it. I don't think we think about it as um, very often understand like how huge that probably is um because we're in a day-to-day and you know we're we're managing you know lots of contracts and lots of projects and you know 
some things go well and some things don't and you have to kind of navigate through it all but you know when you're in the um in the trenches sometimes it's hard to still appreciate what's happening um and so that's something I would tell myself then and continue to tell myself now so is there anything that you guys want to recap on or you guys want to give as advice to anybody who is considering real estate or who is just contemplating doing it? I guess um, the the best piece of advice is to reach out to us, connect with us, um, contact us. Um, let us know how things are going. Let us know how your journey's going, yeah. Um, and the best way to do that is through Instagram at Charm City Buyers or our website www.charmcitybuyers.com yeah and I would I would also just say like um just sometimes folks will look at at Instagram or look at all these different people who are doing amazing things but understand that there's also a journey behind it and so um just because we're you know we're buying we we bled our our you know we put in our blood sweat and tears to get to where we are so you know, don't feel like your first um, project needs to be a huge gut teardown because that's what you see folks doing on Instagram. Like, there's lots of other stuff that's going on, and um, flips are sexy, but um, but rentals are rentals are wealth. When you talk about generational wealth, usually folks aren't talking about flips. That's cash. Flips will make you rich. Rentals will make you wealthy. Uh, and that, that richness, if you don't invest it into something like a rental, um, you know, that, that is bleeding. Um, and so, um, I guess that's, that's what I'll leave everyone with is that the flips are, flips are self sexy, but what, what is building our wealth and, and secures the, um, the financial future of our daughter are, are, you know, almost 20 rental properties. So. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming today. And I want you guys to know that you are inspiration to me. And I hope that you guys are inspiration to others as well, or people that are following me. And if you guys want to reach them, again, you guys can follow them at Charm City Buyers. And if you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Finance T. Thank you for tuning in today.